Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How is everyone? Sorry about that. I'm um, just suddenly uh, just had a little bit of a moment. Let me just do this. There you go. Um, how is everyone? How are you all? Hashtag Friday. Friday fun. It's Friday, Friday. Uh, gotta have fun. <laughs> oh, Friday, Friday. Why is Friday always about fun? Um, we haven't done this for a while, have we? Let's do it. Let's just let's just do it. Or let's not do it. Let's try it. I know you've all been missing it. For those of you listening, that's our tongue-in-cheek. For those who think it in any way is vaguely taking itself seriously, that's tongue-in-cheek jingle for Friday. Good morning, Faith. Good, 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 goodman. Morning, Am Fran. Hope you're well. Megan Peralta Hearson. Good morning, Sarah Withington. Ellen. Hello, hello. Edward Bevington. Hope you're well. Joni. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we, I thought, you know what we'd do? I thought we'd pinch a little bit of what we do on a Saturday and we'd just have a look through some of the weirder stories uh, that have been going on today, this week, what have you. Obviously, the biggest news story is Hawaii, which is just tragic. It looks like the death toll has reached 50-something, um, I think 56. Uh, thousands of people uh, are now uh, feared, feared missing. A thousand people feared missing. Um, state of emergency and the images uh, there's a photograph of a town called Lahaina which just looks like it's just awful looks like something from Nagasaki or Hiroshima or something like that just tragically tragically sad stories of people feeling they had to jump in the sea and oh it's just you know and these stories you just wonder how many more of these stories are going to come through so um so I mean obviously that that's kind of Tragically, the the big story uh, in terms of global news that's that's um, that's everywhere today. So I thought we take I thought we take a thank you very much, Lee Doran, a fun little cartoon character. Um, Lil Tay is alive, says Lucy Heaney. This story becomes more and more bizarre by the minute. Um, so yeah, they announced or she announced that this was this was not true. The weird thing is, I don't think anyone's actually seen it. I mean, the whole story is so bizarre. I mean, when I shared that news with the youngsters, they kind of had an arched eyebrow saying, there's a lot about this that doesn't make sense. Um, so which was the fake news? Was the original fake news? Um, the suggestion is that her account was hacked, uh, that liaising with Instagram, they they managed to unhack it. Uh, and that's a Lee publicity stunt. I'm not suggesting that's what I thought, but I have to say the word publicity and the word stunt both crept into my head at different times of the day. Uh, possibly not. No, they did land in that order. So yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder. I just wonder. Maybe this is a. Maybe this is what they would call a reboot, a reset, a relaunch. Happy birthday, Mandy. Where are you, Mandy? Let's see you stand up. Did you ever, ever used to do that at school? Anyone's birthday? Can you please stand up? Or anyone new? Will you please stand up, anyone? You know, for anyone who's new in a class, they sometimes do it. Well, no, I won't say. They sometimes do it in all sorts of meetings where they should. Would you mind sort of introducing yourself? No, I don't want to. I really don't want to. I don't don't want to stand up and say I'm new. It's like what teacher doesn't know that that is an invitation for bullying? So anyway, Mandy, I'm not saying stand up, but I am saying happy birthday. You're in there somewhere. Everyone's saying happy birthday. 
happy birthday. Hi, retired 847. How are you? Hope you're well. If they wanted to connect Lil Tay to death, do a rebranding of an image like Melanie Martez did, not a hoax of a child, FFFS. I, I, yeah, Melanie Martez. What's the Melanie Martez? I don't, I don't think I quite know that story. It's obviously quite, yeah, it's obviously got to be quite cross. Um, but explain, and I'm, I'm happy to embrace that story. Uh, oh, here we go. I don't think Melanie Martinez rebranding really worked. God, I'm, I'm missing something there. Happy Friday birthday, Mandy. What are you up to? Well, that's an even... Stand up, introduce yourself, and tell us what you're up to. No pressure. No pressure. Um, hi, Jogging Jelly. Hope you're all well. Um, what a weird clutch of stuff we've got this week. So, Mushroom Killer. This is not making light at all. Three people have died in Australia, and a woman is at the heart of this, uh, accused or suspected of poisoning them with mushrooms. Um, wow. Um, we've got angry nudists, angry nudists, uh, who say that people who wear clothes on nudist beaches show a lack of respect. Think about that. Think about that. At first I thought one thing and then I thought another. We're going to look at the beach huts, pricey beach huts. How much does it cost to buy one? How much does it cost to stay in one? What kind of batshit crazy madness is the beach hut market all about? And I've got some skin in the game because it used to be right next to my nan in Muddyford. Any people here live in Muddyford or Christchurch? Um You'll know what I'm talking about. Beach huts. It's 50 years. How? I mean, they're literally dating it specifically. 50 years of hip hop. 50 years of hip hop. Um, brutal climbers. Uh, this is uh, the story, a tragic story of a, uh, of, a, of a porter, you know, someone who sort of helps often local people, indigenous people who are helping often affluent, sort of self-obsessed slightly narrow gauge visioned kind of explorers to their pinnacles or peaks of mountains. Uh, this is the story. I just wanted to touch upon it. Tragic story of a porter who it looks like was left to die whilst climbers passed him by. The reason I wanted to talk about that is I've had some experience of these kind of environments. So I wanted to share some thoughts there. Um, I want to share with you... Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I want to share with you a couple of images later, a couple of photographs. Sorry for those of you who are on uh, podcast listening, but you will I will explain what's going on. Um, and well, the stories tell the story. The pictures tell the story, really. So I don't I don't want to ruin that. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think what else have we got in the title? Hip hop go ghosts. Well, there could be a clue in that. So um, who's ever who's ever stayed? Did he die? I read the story and it wasn't clear. He who's he? Uh did he die? The Mushroom Killer. Are we talking about the Mushroom Killer? Let's look at the Mushroom Killer. I loved them. Australian woman denies killing three after serving deadly mushrooms at family lunch. So, hmm. Hmm. So the Australian police are trying to determine how three people died and a fourth became critically ill after apparently eating wild mushrooms at a family lunch. Homicide detectives uh, interviewed the woman, uh, uh, who's named Erin Patterson, who they said cooked the meal on July 29th, but didn't become ill herself. Was it a bad batch? I mean, I'm not making light of some, something quite serious here, but could it have been a bad batch? Did she really know what she was doing? Let's drill into it a little bit more. Um, 
Miss Patterson, the woman who's who's the suspect, said she didn't she didn't know what happened. I didn't do anything. I love them, and I'm devastated they're gone. She declined to answer questions about what meals were served to which guests or where the mushrooms came from. She'd been hosting her in-laws, Gail and Don Patterson, both who died in hospital, uh, but also at the lunch was her sister Heather, who also died, and her husband, so her brother-in-law Ian Wilkinson, uh, who remains hospitalised. Um, There've been no recall or local warnings on locally bought produce. It's still not clear what type of mushrooms the guests ate. Symptoms after ingesting death cat mushrooms can include vomiting, severe abdominal pain, diarrhea, ending in kidney or liver failure that causes death. Um, as they say, it could be very innocent, but we just don't know. What do you think, guys? You have to, you have to be very careful with mushrooms. I mean, this story keeps sort of bouncing back up. Edward Bevington, I'm a forager. She killed them. Death caps stand out a mile. Emma Walsh, if the mushrooms were bought in the store, how is that her fault? Well, presumably they'll have, they'll be able to sort of detective work. Um, They'll be able to do some kind of investigation as into whether she bought them anywhere, right? Um, So why did they eat them, but she didn't? That's the killer question, Faith. That's the killer question. Um, Amfran, it's suspicious that she didn't get ill. Edward Bevington, they even smell. I think I'm right in saying that I've read somewhere that her ex-husband has claimed that she might have tried to kill him at some point because he remembers feeling very ill when she she fed him mushrooms. Um, but it reminds me of, wasn't there, um, was it Tales of the Unexpected where a... Oh, God, I remember. Does anyone remember Tales of the Unexpected? It used to be a sort of, was it in the daytime? It was a sort of, it was like a, was it like a, was it Tales of the Unexpected? With the woman that died. Do, 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 sort of British, almost Roald Dahl horror story types. And I remember one where there was a woman, this frightened me for years. There was a woman who hated men. And I'm sure when you look back, this you could argue she was a feminist, but not probably, well, not in any of the right characterizations of a feminist. Uh, she would lure men in playgrounds, like I think dads. Um, and I remember, I seem to remember one where she took him back to her house. She had a bed. And maybe this is just a, maybe this is just something I did when I was drunk. She had a bed heads, floor, you know, the, what's the, 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 the floor, floor, you got the bed head. What's the opposite end of a bed head? What's the opposite, toe head? bed bottom um anyway so the t- i think the top or the bottom were feet like funny feet like the like lolly like lollipops stick with me here funny feet so she lured him back and she killed him with a leg of lamb and ate the evidence oh it's just called a foot of the bed foot of bed keely window thank you that that st- Stuck with me for years. Fat is still stuck with me. So I'm still worried. When I see funny feet lollipops, not that I do often. Anyway, so this puts me in mind of that. Very hard, isn't it? If you kill someone with food and the food is now no longer there, how can you prove anything? Faith Goodman then fed lamb to the police. That's the one. Have you seen it? I'm sure there was another one. Was it Tales of the Unexpected? Sorry, going off on a tangent. That's what we do on a Friday because it's hashtag fuck off Friday. Just, just fuck off. Um, wasn't there one where, 
Oh, what's the name of the actor? Mm, fabulous actor. Married to, oh, Prunella Scales. Where he, didn't he become a bee? Didn't he become a bee? I'm sure it was like to do with honey and whatever the honey, what's the other stuff in a honeycomb called? There's something else, isn't there? What's it called? Headboard, footboard, footboard, that's it. No, not Timothy Spall. Dominic, is it Dominic? Married to Prunella Scales. Mm. Lamb to the slaughter, mushrooms are wild. Anne H, that one stuck with me too. It wasn't her husband. Oh, maybe it was her husband. You can easily kill someone with a frozen leg lamb. Beeswax, thanks, Teresa Hutchinson. Royal jelly, Marcia Toms. Royal jelly. Timothy, Timothy West. That's it. Timothy West. Whew. So, yeah. So, anyway, so this big, big story it keeps, keeps plopping about. I think we're going to see more about it. And I'm sure we're going to probably have a, have a drama. Have a drama. Tales of the Unexpected, still on Sky Arts every, each day, Channel 11 on Freeview. This is to put people of the magic mushroom depressant research. Don't do it yourselves, whatever. Yet yeah, don't pick mushrooms. Even though I know what a magic mushroom looks like, just, you know, occupational hazard, don't pick them. This is a funny story, but it's not funny for the people. So I don't know if you remember, a couple of days ago, me and Nads very quickly squeezed in the idea that someone somewhere in a restaurant somewhere, I believe in Italy, charged two euros to cut a sandwich in half. The argument being that in this time of, you know, uh, you know, uh, cost of living crisis, etc., all businesses are under are under the gamut, um, gamut, do you get it? Um, that cutting a sandwich requires paying for. What do you think? Eh, do you agree? Do you agree? It, two euros to cut a sandwich because it occupies a member's, member of staff's time for a nanosecond. Okay. Well, just keep that little thought there. Well, another Italian restaurant, it's not doing well for the Italian uh, tourist board, this. Uh, an Italian restaurant, where is this? In Finale Ligure, Ligure, so apologies, Osteria del Cavallo in Finale Ligure, uh, a mother asked for an extra plate so that she could give her three-year-old daughter a taste of the pasta. She was going to decant it onto said plate. We've all done this. Can I have, a, can I have, a, have you got a small plate? For the kid? I'll take a bill. They charged two euros, calling it a shared dish. The rationale being, we've got to wash it. I don't disagree. They do have to wash it. Someone does have to cut a sandwich. But how do you put a price on it? That's what I want to know. How do you put a price on it? It's getting ridiculous out there, guys. It's getting ridiculous. In a minute, it's going to cost £4 for a, for a coffee in London. Uh, yeah, it already does. <coughs> Gabrielle, you might as well charge to cut potatoes then. Ah, I reckon their rationale will be this. That has to happen to, to serve everyone. Sarah Witherington, I was charged £2 to be seated in a restaurant and 12% service charge on my bill. Disgusting service it was. Food wasn't great. You know what I think should start to happen is, I think, I mean, the, the unfortunate side of, sidebar of this is that a lot of people who work, obviously, as waiters, etc., make a lot of their money through the service charge. But if the service is shit, you ask for it to be taken off. You say no. Service was shit. Um, Ellery Jones, I would carry plastic plates with me then. 
Hannah Liebschwitz, sorry if I've got that incorrect. It's a rite of passage for children to try food off parents' plates in restaurants. My sister and I used to do it with dad. It drove him mad. <laughs> it's so frustrating for parents. Uh, Zoe, I was charged £5 for a bottle of tap water on a brunch in London. Once well, I hope you said no, tap water. So then they're charged. So what they're basically charging for is the physical movement. Because if you're charging to do this, if you, so it's like two euros, please. So if that's two euros, then reaching up and getting bottles, that's another couple of euros. I mean, it's getting a bit ridiculous, isn't it? They're going to be charging on Fitbits. Clodagh Egan, uh, my sister was in a restaurant, paid service charge, crap service. She went back and, oh, where have you gone? Uh, she went back, demanded service charge back and got it. Create a holiday, boycott the places that do that. Yeah, you, you can, but in these tourist places, you're probably never going to go back, are you? Um, so yeah, the restaurant owner, Ida Germano, pointed to the cost of supplying and washing extra plates. For us, this is more work. Um, does anyone see it from the restaurant's point of view in either of these cases? Charging two euros to cut a sandwich and two euros to wash another plate. Joni, the, to- the hotter it gets, the pricier it gets, the hotter it gets, the more angry people get. The more angry people get, the hungrier they get. The hungrier they get, the more plates they want. I think we should just start throwing plates around. Christos, unfortunately, during the summer months. Hi, Christos. Hope you're well, matey flip. Um, especially in Mediterranean countries, these tactics or practices are a common thing. Not everywhere, but it's happening. Any way to make any extra income. Water is extortionate in London. That's Thames Water for you, says Joni and MeTube in different comments there. Um, Amy May, I was charged a... This is clearly... Yay, this is touched a raw nerve. I was charged a service charge for a cup of tea that I had to make myself. What? It, it is getting ridiculous. It is, it is getting a bit silly. Can I just have... Can I just have water? I mean, sitting at a table, you've got to understand from their perspective, if they've given you the table, that's potential revenue, isn't it? That table. So I can kind of understand that, you know, if you're not, if you're going to a restaurant and you're not, you, you see the look of disappointment. I get it all the time. If you go to a restaurant and they go, would you like to look at the wine list? And, you know, often I'm with someone who doesn't drink too much or someone who isn't going to drink too much. I go, no, 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 sorry, I'll just drink that. You can see them look at, they, they look at me as no longer the cash cow that they obviously had thought, well, here comes an alky. He's going to charge his way down a bottle of fucking rosé, isn't he, like a nut job, then ask for 10 Guinnesses and then be smashing tequila slots, uh, shots everywhere. And then suddenly I go, oh no, could, could I have a Diet Coke, please? And they go, they literally look at me with absolute sort of disgust, disdain. It's like, oh, I spit on you. Some of them have. Natasha Tiramos, they will soon be charging for adding the service charge to the bill due to the extra effort of working it out. That is funny. That is funny, Natasha. There should be um, service charge and then there should be existential thought charge. Uh, arithmetic charge for the time it took to work out the price of this. You get charged. Nessie Jeff, in Windsor Town, there are two different prices, tourists and then locals. Wow. We have advantage card to show we live in the town. Wow. Wow. MeTube, seating, £1. Knife, £1. Fork, £1. Entry fee, £1. Exit fee, £1. It's a bit like Ryanair, this, isn't it? Sharing the oxygen oxygen charge. So be careful out there, guys. Maybe ask when you ask for the plate, are you going to charge me for that? But then you're going to give them the idea, aren't you? Right. Hell hath no fury like a man standing on a beach with his genitalia wobbling who's a nudist, isn't there for anything, any other reason other than he likes to fill the air around his knackers. 
And he's there with a lot of other people who are feeling the air around their areolas. Areolas. Air around the areolas. We're talking about nudists here. And hell hath no fury like some nudists on a beach, on a nudist beach, when someone comes down and refuses to take their kit off. Now, when I saw this, I thought, get a grip. Not of that. Don't get a grip of that. But get a grip of something. Keep keep your hair on. <laughs> All your hair. Um, but then I read a bit more into this and I thought, Hmm. Nothing, Lee, nothing wrong with feeling the air around your knackers. Unless you weren't expecting it to, in which case you're out and about and they're hanging out and that ain't good. So I thought, oh, for God's sake, here we go. I mean, I have to confess, the few times I've stumbled across a nudist on a beach, it's not been a pleasant affair. It really hasn't. There's been all sorts of, I don't know, mollusks, crustaceans. It's, it's not pretty. And I have to confess, it's often been men. And they often stand with their hands on both their hips, which is clearly a way of saying, look at me tool, or whatever it is. Well, this is the, these are the Catalonian nudists, Naturist Nudist, Nudist Federation of Catalonia. So, you know, Spanish nudist, you ain't going to mess with them, are you? They're going to have the, their body is going to be the colour of, it's just going to be sort of bronzed, like, you know, when you kind of, well, a couple of times I've wandered around Marbella, I've seen someone walking towards me, a woman or a man who's clearly, I don't know, they've been in Marbella since prehistoric times. And their colour, it's not even a colour, it is the essence of magma. It's earthen-like. They're like earthenware. It's like they've been dug up. They often have like a gold, really horrible looking necklace. But they're brown. Anyway, so you get the picture. So Catalonian nudists are up in arms. Uh, and this is, this is what they say. They're up in arms about people arriving uh, with swimsuits on. Before, people would arrive at a nude beach and either leave or strip down. So they don't mind you leaving. But now they stay and they keep their swimsuit on. Where is the problem, you ask? But what they don't realise, says this uh, quite angry Catalonian nudist, is that if they're there, if there's a lot of them there, all with their swimming costumes on, it makes us feel uncomfortable. And it was at that point that I thought, maybe they've got a point. Elaine Denning, if a beach is nudist and you're not prepared to get your kit off, just don't go. I think that's what the Catalonians are saying. Amfran, I suppose the question is, why are people on a nude speech if they don't want to be nude? It's a very good question. Um, maybe they were unaware. I mean, it's that classic thing, isn't it? Where I think it's happened to me once where I've kind of gone down onto a beach and you've been there and you settle in and then you think, wow, um, I can keep, I, I keep hearing the sound, slapping sound. of a, Oh, and there's people playing, I don't know, they're playing off. And again, you just, why do naturists and you just often play ball games, bat and ball? Jumpy, jumpy, jumpy. You know, so you've got the, but then you've got the, or sometimes you've got the, and you go, oh, I'm in the wrong place. I don't think anyone probably, I wonder if anyone ever goes, oh, I'm on a new speech and just immediately gets everything off and goes, yeah, fine, fantastic. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, do, I do have this horrible volleyball nude. Jesus Christ. Volleyball nude. Erin uh, Bullimore, it's strange to be uncomfortable by clothed people. Why is it not being a, why is not being able to see people's entire body uncomfortable? It's the same question on why you're comfortable with nakedness just reversed. It's look, it's, you know what, I, have, I doff my cap 
if I had, you wouldn't have one. Is wearing a hat, strictly speaking, mean you're not mean you're not nude? Can you wear? Can you doff a cap as a nudist? I just couldn't do it. Although I, me and Nadia often say we were somewhere in Ibiza and we were like, she was like, go on, do it. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. She said, the subs would love it. I said, well, the subs might love it, but I'm not doing it. I swear she has a moat. She always thinks of you guys and then she just throws me in at the deep end, quite literally. Olympic beach volleyball is practically nude. It, oh, me too, but you make the point practically. And those vital little bits of elastic bands, they keep everything in place though, don't they? Oh, sand in all the naughty bits. Oh, sorry. Anyway, so I thought, yeah, actually, if you're going to a well-known nudist beach, don't go if you're unwilling to take your kit off. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of people standing around you, and then it becomes a very different kind of beach. Um, okay, beach huts. This, this, I've never understood this. So my nan used to live in Muddyford, uh, and then there was the sand pit spit, just opposite Muddyford Quay, kind of, you know, you get a little ferry across. And there were, ever since I was the age of six, there were beach huts down there. But the smashed up old sort of, I guess, what, what do beach huts come from? Fishermen, I guess. I don't know. Sort of early 1950s, 60s holidaying. Anyway, they're all smashed up, knackered, crap. Bits of planks of wood, all that malarkey. Um, and, uh, you know, we always hear over the years, don't we? Oh, yeah, no, the beach huts, they're going for this amount. They're going for that. Oh, 40,000. What? 40,000? You don't even own it. You only lease it. 40,000. What? Well, yeah, as someone has just here said, Nanny Thelma, uh, miss her words of wisdom, Dawny Harvey, she thought, what a load of old nonsense, especially when they plant them along a part of the beach where you couldn't see out of a caravan. You've got caravans, but then you've got camping vans. Uh, and then camping vans? Then you've got beach huts. Beach huts. I just think the beach hut mania, which just seems to be getting more and more and more manic, £69,000 for a shared Lisa Cook, you wait has got more and more ridiculous. So I just want to share with you, yeah, as someone quite rightly said, Fortnum and Masons uh, down in Cornwall have got what they call their pop-up, pop-up um, beach huts. Pop-up beach huts, I kid you not, which you can hire out. Let's have a look. Uh, I think I've got how much they are. Britain's most, how much does? So here we go. Let's have a look. So, oh, my God. So let's have a look. Uh, has it got? Oh no, no, hang on. Uh, Britain's most. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, no, that's not it. I think. It, I think it's something like four hundred pounds for three hours. Yeah, four hundred pounds for three hours a day. Uh, 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 uh. So Fortnum and Mason are sort of really kind of you know upping the ante, offering these kind of. And you can go. You have lunch. You have tea. You have you know a sort of really nice time and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you this question, guys. I just wanted to ask you this question. So th this is Fortnum Mason. They're pop-ups. They're not. These aren't ones you can buy, but, you know, they're, they're, they're posh. So I'm going to ask you, how much do you think that uh, is going to sell for? I'm going to find you. How much do you think that is uh, on the market for? This is one opposite Muddyford Key. I love a beach up. We stayed in one once for a night in October. It was fantastic. Fantastic fun. It was about, I think it was 80 quid. And this was years ago. 100,000 Lee Durant, Joni, 100,000. Uh, Emma Does Life, 50,000. Okay, so this one is um, on the market for, okay, 
£450,000. £450,000. I kid you not. Let's have a look at this one. Yeah, me too. Cray cray, right? Uh, this one is on the market for £440,000. Yeah, kid you not. Uh, oh, look, this is a nice colour one. Almost the Fortnum and Mason's colour, this one. I, I, I hope the canoe... I hope the canoe comes with it. This is 430,000, partly due to with all three of these because they have what they call, uh, crucially, dual aspect views. Dual aspect views. Dual aspect views means you sit within a garden shed and you can look that way and then you can look that way and you can see the next shed next to you out of two windows. I just think this is, I just think it's offensive. I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. These are, these are all on, are these, these are all down in Muddyford, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Are they, is this Muddy? Oh, it might be. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I th yeah, these are. Yeah. Muddyford. I kid you not. I kid you not. And Fran, and people think London house prices are expensive. At least they have running water. And I think Muddyford is the only place that a certain time of the year you're allowed to overnight in them, which is why we did on the spit. But most of them in the, in the country, you can't even overnight in legally. Um, I just think I just, I just think it's ridiculous. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, now, this story, I just wanted to share with you because I just think this is awful. This is, the, as I said, this is the story of um, a climber who, um, a porter who was, uh, climbers just, there's video footage. I was going to try and get it to show you, but it's, it's, although you don't see much in it, it's quite distressing. Record-breaking mountaineer denies climbing over a dying porter on K2. Um, Christine Harila climbed the world's second highest mountain on the 27th of July. Um, but as they were all ascending, a porter, Mohammed Hassan, fell off a sheer edge um, Harilla, the climber, and her team insisted they did everything they could to save, but they all carried on. Um, he lay there, he or hung there for a while, uh, I think for three or four hours before expiring due to the cold. Um, and I just wanted to say there is an absolutely disconnected brutality, not to everyone, but to hear, there's a sort of throwaway disregard when you get into these climbing communities for the sanctity of life. No record is worth one life, is it really? I, I suppose this, maybe they all own bloody, I don't know, own ridiculously expensive uh, beach huts. It just strikes one of those stories where I just thought, God, how can you do that? You know, when you look at photos sometimes, I don't know if you get this in the news, that's why I just wanted to share it with you. Sometimes, every now and then you see these awfully tragic stories where it says there's a photo of a smiling couple and then underneath it says something like five seconds later, they fell off the edge of a cliff or something awful. And this one, I just thought, wow, you would just look at an image of all these guys going up, snaking up, you know, to the top of the mountain. And there's a guy just on the floor next to them. And I haven't been in those situations. Yes, there is a part of you that's, you know, we did the Arctic. We nearly got stranded on the, on the ice and all that. But you, you pull together, right? You pull together. Porters are very hard and resilient. But if you're seeing someone struggling on the floor who hasn't moved for three hours, you do something. You don't walk past them anyway. It just—it was just a reminder. 
was just a reminder of how sometimes we can forget what the mission statement is and we can be blinded by the summit. I don't know, just struck me. Um, hip hop, any hip hop fans here? I, I popped this in the title only because I like this. On this day in 1973, at a party in an apartment in the Bronx, New York, hip hop was born. Amazing, isn't it? How they can sort of say that. Using two turntables and a microphone, Jamaican born funk and soul DJ Cool Herc mixed two records together isolated and extended the kick drum beats or breaks whilst making rhythmic announcements over the top. The rest was history. Don't you love that? That is such a BBC, what BBC, BBC News. This is the BBC News bringing you the birth of hip hop using two turntables and a microphone. Jamaican born funk and soul DJ Cool Herc mixed two records together, isolating and extending the kick drum beats or breaks whilst also making rhythmic announcements over the top. Uh, <laughs> BBC definition of hip hop. But as I was running through this, I was thinking, oh my God, I was a hip hop kid. Were you a hip hop kid? If hip hop's 50, a lot of us are hip hop kids. What was your genre of music when you were a teen? I mean, obviously I had Madonna's Like a Virgin album cover. We won't go there again. I had a lot of the mainstream stuff, but I was well into funk. I was well into uh, disco. I was well into dance. That was the go-go music. Do you remember Trouble Funk, Full Force, Cash Flow? Cameo, Ohio Players, Grandmaster Flash, um, Luke Zilla, who's it? George Clinton, all that kind of stuff. Edward Bevington, hate here or hip hop. We see, ah, interesting. It's, yes, you know, when people say, I hate that genre of music, and then I think, how can you? Because actually, the best music combines all sorts of music. I didn't realize Blondie was a huge part of pushing hip-hop forward. So some of the tracks here that they talk about are, you know, it, it gave birth to the 12-inch records because they had they, they played for longer, so you can mix the beats for longer and all that kind of stuff. Sugar Hill Gang's 1980s hit, Rapper's Delight. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Um, uh, Africa Bombata, uh, he was another DJ from the Bronx. He was fantastic. Um Jean-Michel Basquiat and Fab Five Freddy appeared in the first rap video broadcast on MTV for post-punk band Blondie's track Rapture. Um, Run DMC, they kind of fused it with rock. Didn't they perform with, was it Metallica or someone? Didn't they walk this way or something like that? Grandmaster Flash, The Message, Public Enemies, Fight the Power, NWA and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan. Um, Della Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Golden Age, Vanilla Ice even, all that kind of stuff. You know, so 50 years of hip-hop. Who'd have thunk it? Aerosmith, Teresa Hutchinson, that's who, who run DMC, yeah, did, did their thing with absolutely right. Don't forget to carry the get, giant ghetto blaster to play it at annoying people for miles. If you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, I often bang on about it. It's a great movie, Do the Right Thing. Um, very good. Thank you, Sadie C. Hope you're well. Bit conspiracy, but there are documents proving. Oh, Edward Bevington, what's this? Documents proving what? Hip-hop promotion in the 80s was very iffy. CIA promoted apparently to disrupt society. Ah, oh, well, I'm pleased they did it because we had some great music. Uh, Reese Roberts, I'm an enormous hip-hop fan, so proud of the genre, making it this far in spite of people doubting it. Hip-hop has such truth and lyricism reflecting people's experiences and influences so much. I mean, it's, it's just, for me, hip-hop did a good job of making poetry kind of listenable to you know so if i think poetry can be sometimes just characterized as like esoteric and weird but i think hip-hop at its best is you know uh everyday poetry 
And as you rightly say, Reese, it kind of gave a voice to a section of society back in the 80s that had no voice. A little bit like blues, a little bit like so much crucial music, so many musical genres that were born out of essentially the oppression of black people. Astonishing. Astonishing. Um, now, before we get on to the uh, quiz, quiz of the week, um, a 17th century vampire has been unearthed uh, with a padlocked ankle in Poland. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I think earlier this year they found a, a woman earlier this year too. They're buried facing downwards so that they can't bite anyone or eat anything. Um, so, yeah, just in case you're worried, you know, good to see that they were locking vampires down back in the 17th century. And I also want to share with you this before we move on. Um, let me just double check this. So this photograph here, this is a photograph uh, taken by a group of women on a hen hen, hen retreat or a hen holiday uh, in a remote estate in Scotland. Um, this was the photograph they took of themselves. This is a photograph they took of themselves. Can you see that? Um, uh, and they took they took several photographs here. Um, They're all posing with their arms in the air, some armed with masks and all that kind of stuff. But then in, uh, so and so they took a barrage, a barrage of photographs. You know when you do what they call, not a flurry, but they're called a sort of a burst, a photographic burst. And then, so they took, and that's one of them. And then this was one of them. Do you see anything different in that photograph? Can you see anything? Can you see anything there? Hannah Liebschitz. I'm going to do a reaction to the El Conde trailer. Yeah, it looks interesting, doesn't it? Uh, new film by Pablo Lorraine, isn't it? Uh, can anyone see anything in that photo? Uh, white blob. Uh, um, can anyone see anything in that photo? Look to the bottom left behind one of the pieces of wood. Who is that little boy? Says Laurel Nichols. Who is that little boy? Uh, hen revelers. Uh, yeah, the spook revelers fled a Hindu after noticing a small boy in one of their photos. Um, the, the photograph was taken in a part of Scotland uh, where there is a story, a notorious story of the blue boy which I think was turned into a, a drama. Um, uh, it was a, the story, uh, 17th century, da, 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 da. hang on, let me just find the... He was a young child, apparently. He'd been on holiday with his parents in the hotel, had been sleepwalking during the night, strayed outside, fell into the lock and drowned. When they found his body, it was blue with the cold. Hotel staff had noticed that things like cutlery and plates were often out of place for no apparent reason. Perhaps more sinister than that was the fact that they sometimes find wet footprints upstairs in the corridor. Is that the ghost? Is that the ghost? It looks too defined to be a ghost, almost human-like. I know what you mean. There you go. Anyway, quiz of the week. Quiz of the week. Ghosts and vampires to end your Friday. Uh, so let's just get rid of that. Let's get rid of that. Anyone who um, doesn't like quizzes, this is like a, a brief little walk through the news of the week um, and uh, some of the sort of silly news stories. And what we aim to do, or what you aim to do, for sure, is to try and get as many right as possible. And sometimes sometimes you fail. Not often, but pretty much every week. Um, so let's let's have a go. Let's have a go. Let's see if any of us can get to six or even three. Three would be good, wouldn't it? Okay, so 
Is that where little boy blue comes from? Maybe, says asks Sarah D. Very good, very good, yeah, very good. Okay, here we go. So question one. Healthcare workers who pick their noses are more likely to get COVID, according to a study conducted in Dutch medical centres. But which line of work was found to be the most likely to pick their nose? A, doctors, B, nurses, or C, support staff? Which of those three... Um, according to a study done in, in, in Holland, are more likely to pick their noses and therefore more likely to get COVID? Is it A, doctors, B, nurses, or C, support staff? What say you? I'm going to just, because StreamYard is a bit slow with this. Oh, no, no, you're coming through now. Um, the answer is, look at you. Look at some of you saying C, support staff. Uh, you split everywhere. The main answer, the answer is doctors. And in almost 95% of them admitted to picking their nose, at least incidentally. <laughs> Question two, four-time Olympic champion. Ah, sport. Question two, four-time Olympic champion Simone Biles made a triumphant return to gymnastics after a two-year break as she won the US Classic. Biles announced in 2021 she was taking a break to work on her mental health. From what did she say she had been suffering? Was it A, the jitters, B, the twisties, or C, the yips. Which of those uh, did she say she was struggling from? Four-time Olympic champion. What, which of those? A, the jitters, B, the twisties, or C, the yips. I, I've had a bad case of all of those. don't know if anyone else has. Let me see if I can pull you up on here. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, did he, did he leave? How gross. Ooh, how gross. Uh, yeah, there we go. Look, so um, let me just, sorry, it's just StreamYard's comments. When they come in a lot, they, they slow down. I'm just going to, who picked their noses? Yeah, 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 we've done that one. We've done that one. The answer is B, the twisties. The twisties. There we go. Uh, ah, that's better. I can see you all. The yips, as Faith Goodman knows, the twisties. Question three. One of Italy's most dangerous fugitives was caught in Greece after 11 years on the run. Wow. But how did police finally track him down? A, they found him receiving chemotherapy at a private clinic. B, photographed celebrating a football win. Or C, spotted on Google Maps. One of Italy's most dangerous fugitives was caught in Greece after 11 years on the run. But how did the police finally track him down? A, found receiving chemotherapy at a private clinic. B, photographed celebrating a football win. Or C, spotted on Google Maps. Uh, what are we saying? This was a funny story indeed. Christos B, he's saying. Rosemary McVie is saying A, found receiving chemotherapy. There was another story of someone being found receiving uh, chemotherapy, wasn't it? Uh, Italians and football definitely, says Lee. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's B. Question four. India's space agency released the first images of the moon taken by the Chandrayaan-3 spacecraft. Later this month, it will attempt to deliver the lunar rover Pragyan on board a landing craft. But what does the word Pragyan mean in Sanskrit? Is it A, curiosity, B, mooncraft, or C, wisdom? What does the word Pragyan, which is going to be landing on the moon uh, on behalf of India, what does it mean? A, curiosity, B, mooncraft, or C, wisdom? 
uh, Faith Goodman saying wisdom, Samantha Bit. Oh, look, lots of you plugged into a bit of kind of healing. Sexual healing, oh baby. Gerard Lefilm, it is wisdom. A classic copy of the sci-fi novel 2001 A Space Odyssey was returned to a library in Lincolnshire more than 50 years overdue. How much had it racked up in terms of late return fees? So this is a book, 2001 A Space Odyssey, returned to the library 50 years late. Mum, this is a question for you. Uh, what were the late return fees? Was it A, £2,000, B, £4,500, or C, £7,673? Uh, and this was in Scunthorpe. This was in Scunthorpe. Uh, was the uh, late return for a library book A, £2,000, B, £4,500, or C, £7,673? Faith is going for the specifics of the last one, as is Amfran, probably because they've tricked you with the specifics. The answer, a lot, lots of you are going for that. The answer is actually B, £4,500. Question six. Rapper Tori Lanez was sentenced to 10 years in prison for shooting Sigur Megan the Stallion in the feet uh, after uh, attending a party in 2020. I did this story this week. Um, but which personality had been hosting the party at which the row started? Was it A, Kendall Jenner, B, Kim Kardashian, or C, Kylie Jenner? If you watched uh, Coffee Money this week, you know the answer to this one. Is it A, Kendall Jenner, B, Kim Kardashian, or C, Kylie Jenner? Whose party was it that Megan Thee Stallion was at when uh, rapper Tori Lanez shot him, shot him, shot her in the foot? A, Kendall Jenner, B, Kim Kardashian, or C, Kylie Jenner? Hey, I think you've all got quite a good chance here. You're right, it's C. It's C, Kylie. Anyone got six as we go into the final one? Diggity, Ellery Jones, correct, and Illing, correct. Going into the final straight, I have no score. What a failure, Sadie C. Don't worry, it's just, it's not the taking part that counts. Just remember that. Um, Reese, five, looking good, mate. Lee, five, looking good. Uh, Gerard Le Films, five. Jab Jabrit Knit. I actually got six. Okay, let's do it. The owners of Britain's most remote mainland pub reopened the building following a six-month refurbishment. But what is the name of the watering hole on Scotland's Noidart Peninsula? What's the name of that? What's the name of the most remote mainland pub that's been reopened? A. The Bell and Cross. B. The Gothland Hotel. Or C. The Old Forge. Guesswork. Christos, six. Well done. Julie Ebert, six. Well done. Bloody hell. Which was the name of the most remote mainland pub which has been reopened? Was it A, the Bell and Cross, B, the Goatland Hotel, or C, the Old Forge? It is C, the Old Forge, which means absolutely that so many of you have got I think seven out of seven, which means it's going to be a fabulous weekend. You're going to have so much fun. Okay, guys. Well, there you go. I hope you did well. Off to cry, not a single one, Sadie. See, don't worry. Sometimes there's victory in getting nothing. Absolutely. Teresa Hutchinson got one. Um, Lee, you got seven. Ellery Jones got seven. Look, it's a week of sevens. This is fantastic news. Now you've peaked. It's all downhill from here. Maybe we'll have to get a quiz that has more than seven questions. Who knows? One out of seven, Elaine flew. 
Oh, well done, guys. Well done to everyone. Christos, did you get seven? I'm guessing you did. Um, well done. Oh, I'm really pleased. That's, that's so good. Have fun. Have a good day, moaning. Uh, moaners, coffee moaners, co-moaners, all that kind of stuff. Great start to the weekend, Amfran. Have a lovely weekend, Amfran. Have a lovely weekend, all of you. Um, stuff is landing, as ever. Um, uh, no Curly Cooks tomorrow. That happened on Thursday. Uh, no, it didn't. It happened on Wednesday. There will be the papers tomorrow, and there will be vlogs landing. And obviously, it's a pre-recorded, no-name Sunday show landing on Sunday. 